Hello, and you are listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly podcast, and I read... I don't know. Are you okay? I don't know. I just What's don't going really, on? I don't really feel like doing this. What? Just a reading, dollop? reading you a story. I don't, I'm Do you just, want... I'm just over it, you know what I mean? I'm tired of reading, and you just sitting there. Okay. Well, all. you're getting mean, for sure. Okay, it's just... Do you want... Should do you want me to do one? Well, that yeah. Okay, is that all right if you would do one? Yeah, that's fine. You want to do a reverse dollop? Can you, David? What do you think all this paper is? Oh, this, oh! Yeah. I didn't see that on your leg. So this week oh. is when I read a story about American history to my friend David Anthony, who knows nothing about it. There we go. God, you want a little hit of dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> People say this is funny? Not Gary Guerra. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. (laughs) The dawn of man. What? The dawn of man? Well, you know, somewhere around there. Fuck me. Holy shit. Despite some disagreement on evolution, time has proven that man did indeed come from ape. Oh, I'm going to have to disagree with this. That's an issue? That does not seem right. You believe a man... Well, God created us in his image. You believe a man in the sky put a bunch of little ingredients into a cauldron, yeah, started magic, up. Yeah, uh, magic sky man okay. made us. Okay, so then I'll change this. Um, <laughs> despite some ridiculous agreement on evolution, uh, humans and chimps differ by just over 1% of their DNA. That's it? That's it. Very right. close. Chimps are actually closer to humans then chimps are to gorillas, so they're more like us. Really? And they're gorillas. What do you think well, of that? Gorillas are fucking idiots. We're both primates. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like humans. Well, I don't need you to agree to that. Uh, like humans, the bond between mother and child is intensely strong. If a mother dies, the orphan chimp may be unable to survive in the wild alone. Mm. There are many similarities between chimp babies and human babies. Mm. Both love to play. Both are curious. Both learn through observation and imitation. Mm-hmm. Both need constant attention. And they need affection for proper development. The constant attention part is fucked up. Well, it's like a child. It's like it would be the constant attention that your son needs, oh, he which didn't is get that it. he he would not survive in the world without you. No, he did. He did survive in the world without you. Yeah, for the first like four years, we just put him in a doghouse out back. Should Go you know on with your story. This? this is being recorded out loud. What? Uh, chimps are capable of emotion. They feel happiness, they feel sadness, they feel love, they feel loss. They are as emotional as man in many ways. All right. So this has driven man to use chimps to learn more about ourselves. For instance, uh, from the 1900s through the 1930s, a team of scientists attempted to to teach chimps to speak. Okay. (laughs) To actually speak English. Yeah. However, when chimps did not grasp our complex language, critics were vindicated. Uh, they felt critics. that the, the, I mean, the critics, the, the lunatics. Uh, I love the fucking critics. The critics, yeah, the people who were like, I don't think they can speak if you fucking shout at them. Um, 
The animals could not wrap their otherwise expressive lips around our words. In most <laughs> successful cases, they would make sounds charitably interpreted as short words such as mama, papa, cup, and up uh, after years and years of training. But that was more uh, wishful hearing than anything. Yeah, I can't. They were believing those that, are Those are bullshit sounds. Yeah, they were believing that chimps would say what they – but I, I always – That's it said mama, right? It said mama, gaga. Yeah, yeah, that's mama. Or cupping up. I mean, actually, oh. you know, what they really were doing is it was like the th- the noise where they'd be like – Yeah. Like that was oh, like one of the oh, things. Yeah. Oh. oh, he's saying up. He's saying up. He wants to go up. Oh. Oh, I've been here for nine years and I'm going crazy, so that's up. <laughs> yeah, well, get ready. A 1925 <laughs> sci- scientific article suggested that sign language could be used as an alternative. But okay. serious efforts to teach non-vocal communication to apes only really began in the 1960s. Researchers attempted to teach individual signs derived from American Sign Language, or ASL, to a chimp named Washu, uh-huh. to a gorilla named Coco. And to an orangutan named Chantic. I've heard of Coco. Coco, we all know about. Coco's Coco. the fucking business. Coco, I'll Friends tell you, with crazy, Robin Williams. a crazy, you, you know the, that video? Yeah. And you know that when they told, yeah, like, Coco sad. had this amazing Made video. sad sign. Yeah, sign. and Coco was expressed sadness when he found out Robin Williams uh, had died. You many. do not want to know uh, some of the movie reviews Coco gave to Robin No, Williams. actually, they were, there was a concerted effort to hide Flubber from Coco for years. <laughs> They did not want Coco to know about it. That or Father's Day, they hid. Uh, by the way, Coco hated Billy Crystal. Did not like Billy they Crystal? Hated Billy Crystal. Well, well, we are so much like monkeys. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm telling you, we're close. Yeah, we're very close. Um, so they so they would try to teach them, uh, and Sarah, a chimpanzee, learned to manipulate arbitrary plastic symbols standing for words. And another chimpanzee named Lana used an early computer keyboard with arbitrary symbols that reached researchers called lexigrams. So there was every indication that you know there, that they they were able to communicate. That, right, uh, chimps and apes were able to to grasp this. Okay. So in the 1960s and 70s, it became the golden age of the ape language learning. Fuck yeah! This is when the Planet of the Apes happened. Yeah, and people yeah no, people think the 70s were disco. No, no that's it was right the golden when, age of ape language. If learning. you go back and look at the the video historical recordings, that's yeah. when the apes took over. Coco was in Studio 54 with Andy Warhol. That's what I'm talking about. Jim Morrison, all that. Um, researchers claimed that apes had learned tens, even in some cases, hundreds of signs. But popular accounts went farther. They had uh, they had said that apes had actually held conversations and that apes had grasped sign language. Still, in the mid 1970s, a scientific debate was raging over the origin of language. There were two camps. Those who held that human language was part of a continuum, in which case we'd expect other primates to have the rudiments of language, and those who thought that language was uniquely human and there would be no evolutionary trace of it in other apes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, those guys seem kind of like dicks, though. Who? The guys who say that it's just human. The humans are the only ones that can be possible. Yeah. That, well, that just seems like, you know, fucking egotistical horseshit. Well, we, I, t- I talked to your cat. Yeah. Well, listen, Jose, is, we've all Jose scraps sign language really well. He's, really, <laughs> he's caught on fast. But yes, for sure. It yeah. is. It, it's crazy. And um, that's egotism. So so although the trained apes often would use two to three signs, the question really was, do the hand gestures constitute words? Do they truly understand that signs or the lexigrams stood for objects or actions? Were there strings or were there? Were, did they know they were stringing together like two to three word sentences? Right. Which brings us... Oh, I feel like we're going to get to it. 
to Herbert Terrace. Oh, fucking Herbert. A man who focused much of his career on developing a theory that explains how humans arrived at language when primates did not. He was uh, Brooklyn-raised. Terrace earned a BA in psychology, an MA in experimental psychology from Cornell, and a PhD in psychology from Harvard. Oh, shit. All right. He's he's the real deal. He's not an idiot. Um, As a graduate student, much of Terrace's work focused on pigeons, which is... I feel like we're Mom and dad are proud. Okay. (laughs) What was it? He just moved into a house with a bunch of pigeons. Was he talking to pigeons? (laughs) Well, what is his... So his dissertation about with pigeons... Showed how they could learn to tell colors apart without making mistakes. Nope. But after, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, why not just kill yourself instead? Of- <laughs> I think he thinks it's red. The pe- like the teacher watching it was like Jesus Christ, Herb. Okay. Um, but after coming to Columbia, he found his way back to the subject that had interested him as an undergraduate: language and behavior. One catalyst was his reading of Verbal Behavior, a 1957 book by B.F. Skinner, his hero, that had been notoriously criticized by the MIT linguist Noam Chomsky. Fucking really? Chomsky yes. hammering down? Oh, Chomsky uh, hammering down B.F. Skinner, who was Herb's hero. Okay? Mm-hmm. So Terrace was intrigued by reports of people who were training chimpanzees to use human language. Among them, Washu, who we uh, heard about earlier. We all know about Washu. We all know about Washu. That's what you do when you get mud on your sneaker. Wash on, wash off. Washu. Um, but Terrace says that the work that was done with Washu, which was basically this couple had Washu, uh, was largely anecdotal. He envisioned taking the next step, not only training the animal, but also documenting and rigorously vetting the results. So... In 1973, Terrace embarked on a research study. What if an infant chimpanzee was to be taken from his mother's arms oh and sent to live with a human family in fuck? part of a Columbia University Didn't we just talk about experiment? how they're close to humans and they need to be around people? Well, uh, I mean, be around their fucking parent and that they would die without them and that they need fucking love and affection from their parent? Yes. We just went through all that, right? Well, yes. Because it sounds like they're creating a monster. Yes, we just went through that, but I, I, I think um, we'll prove further mm-hmm. that that is true. <laughs> they do. They, they are. I, I see this going very wrong. They, no, this will be great. Dave, I've been in your position a bunch, and I know. The way you're setting it up. I, no, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. Okay. Because I know what it's like to be in the passenger seat. Okay. I get it, okay? Yeah. I'm telling you as a friend. Okay. Don't worry. This is a I, feel. This is a feel-good. This is a feel-good story. Okay. Well, you're doing it, so the experiment was a go, and with Terrace, he was tasked with finding his chimp. Where was he going to find it? He ended up going with Doctor William Lemon, two M's, just so you know, who ran a primate research center in Oklahoma. A chimp was to be born in said primate research center. His mother, Caroline, was treated as a breeding machine at the facility. So this facility is terrible, by the way. It's like, you know, cages, chimps, it's just not, it's not good. They're just breeding them for science. Some breeding for science, some are just in, you know, in cages. It's just, yeah. Just, just because? It, well, no, it's, yeah, it's not so even. it's prison. It's prison. It's chimp prison. It's not necessarily for science. It's just the chimp prison. It's just like a reserve for whatever reason. Um, so, so when you walk by the mother chimps, Hand their babies and go, please take my baby with you. Oh, they're fine with it. Yeah. No, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, Carolyn was like a breeding machine at the facility. Every one of her babies had been taken from her for experiments. Jesus Christ. She knew the routine well enough to turn her back as soon as her baby was born. Oh, shit. Presumably hoping that a human would not notice him. It's not a feel good story. But 
How can a chimpanzee hide her baby when she lives in a bear cage? Answer. She can't, David. <laughs> the chip was taken from her a few days after his birth, and he was to be used in Terrace's weird experiment of putting a chimp into the real world. This is the same kind of shit that the apes do when they take over. Because easy. Dave, I'm not going to have you bringing Caesar into this again. The chimpanzee was to be named Nim Chimpsky. A nod okay. to oh Gnome, my God. A nod to Noam Chomsky, the hater from earlier. Holy fuck. Or Nim, just to be called Nim. This is just a giant pile of dicks. Nim was distraught over losing his mother, uh, he, but he was also too scared to let go of his handlers. I mean, he's How like, old is he? He's like three days old. But that's the time to grab a baby chimp. So he's three days old. He's yeah. like the, the mother is like distraught as fuck. Well, the mother is like I, has already given up. She's dead inside. And they trank her. They they also they they fuck trank yeah, her. They and they have to, you have to get the baby. He's so small that you have to get him out of her arms before she drops. Otherwise, she'll crush him. So they shoot a trank in her, and then they fucking uh, yank her. What's a good story? It's fun. It's fun. Oh, I should mention this is a real feel good story. Um, so the question was, where would Nim live and with who? But isn't it obvious, Dave? Nim was to live with a family of a former psychology student of Terrace in a Manhattan brownstone. What? That's right. Nim was to live with a family of rich hippies, essentially. Fuck. Nim's mother in the experiments was Stephanie Lafarge. The plan was for Stephanie to teach Nim sign language and so test Chomsky's theories about generative grammar. Jesus Christ. To see if he would grasp sign language and be able to communicate. Now, <laughs> Well, how could he not now that he's psychotic? Well, yeah, no, he's in a good place. She was to raise Nim as a human, and he was to be treated... You... Go ahead. You can't... It's not a human! Dave, right. don't, don't tell the Lafarges that. <laughs> she was to raise him as a human, and to be, he was to be treated exactly like Stephanie's seven other children. Come on! Oh, right. Sorry, sorry. I should point out right now that she had seven what? other kids. Living there? Yeah, yeah. So there's Jesus the family. Christ. It's this now, is the worst sitcom it's, it's ever. Now, it's, totally, it's totally like what a sitcom would do in season four when the ratings sink a little bit. <laughs> it just bring a fucking I brought chip home on. a new kid. It's Nim. Welcome, Nim. So there's so there's seven. <laughs> yeah, there's seven. Our new brother is really upset. So there's seven. There's there's seven other kids, kids and now there's an eighth. The only difference with the eighth is that he was a chimp, a tiny one. There was no family discussion about should we or shouldn't we. Lafarge's daughter Jenny Lee recalls it was clear Stephanie was saying let's have a chimp. Also, notice in there, she calls her mom Stephanie, which... Um, is there a father in the house? Oh, we'll get to him. Hold on. <laughs> While some weren't sure about this being the right situation, Tara stood by the decision saying, a chimp could not have a better mother. True. Uh, well, the only other I, mother I, I could think even... of would be Carolyn, its actual mother. <laughs> It would probably be a really good mother for right, the chimp. So there is, there's one other one mother, other but, candidate. But if I'm thinking second mother, I'm thinking I'm thinking a mother with seven You're kids. Stephanie who's Lafarge. Kids call her by their first name. Stephanie Lafarge, yeah. a genius. Now yeah. maybe you know, and we we might. Can I be, just say? Yeah. Chimps love brownstones. Oh God! I he, mean, I know no one said that yet, but they love brownstones. He recognizes the property okay. value. Yeah, of course he of course recognizes he the. He's, in, he's being raised as a human. He understands he's like, I, property he, value. He used to watch the Cosby Show. Yeah, he, he loves gets brownstones. It. Um, so, uh, but Stephanie might have been the right call because, as she put it, I knew nothing about monkeys or apes. What the? F Why would you fucking give? Okay. Okay. So she knew nothing. 
He, That's perfect. He he basically the the whole thing is that he used to fuck her. It, so he used to fuck her, and she wants another baby. And she, but she's getting older. And she also she she was like I don't remember exactly what she did, but she was in some sort of like like some sort of psychiatric work and to sure. some capacity, but it was not anything near associated to this. So it was not yeah. So she she knew nothing. She didn't seem to mind that she knew nothing. She admitted that she never studied anything about chimps or apes while Nim was with her. What she did care about was having what she called an intimate relationship with a mammal. Okay. Oh, I want also, you to, I want you to... also uh, yeah, they used to bang, like I said. Okay. Okay? So that was really the test of all this. So the test, the test essentially is, can a chimp communicate what he is feeling through learned human communication? It would be an expansion of human communication and let us know that language did actually evolve, right? So it's not that humans just came up with language. Language evolved from chimps. Can he form sentences? That's what we're trying to prove by putting Nim in a brownstone <laughs> with seven other fucking children. Have you seen the show Fish with Abe Vigoda? No, what? It's pretty close. <laughs> um, now, Nim was to dress as a toddler human. He was to eat like a human. He was expected to brush his teeth like a human. He put his pants on one leg at a time every day, just like us humans did. Just like, okay. Stephanie Lafarge admits to breastfeeding him for a while. fuck off. As she did her other human children. What a fucking monster. Who, Nim? He wanted milk. Or Stephanie, the psychopath who let a chimp suck her tit. Breastfeeding a fucking chimp? Breastfeeding a chimp. Why couldn't have bit her tit off? Oh, he's honestly, he's too little. He's too little. Oh, yeah. He's and, and, teeth, he, yeah. and he was so fucked. He was, if you think about it, it is like, the, it's. I mean. Like, it would be like, I mean, it would be like, it's it's orphaning. I mean, it's orphaning a, an, a creature into a, a world that right. it's not meant for. It's one thing if you send someone to an orphanage where they interact with other people who are like them. It's another thing if you send a child no, to go like live in a, a zoo. It's like taking a turtle and putting it with cats. It's exactly <laughs> like taking a turtle and putting it with cats. Um, <laughs> now, Stephanie brought him up for a while in her home as if he was a human child. Which he shouldn't have done. Which he should insane. not have done. But she quickly understood that Nim's nature was more powerful than anything. Oh, that's weird. She, it just dawned on her. In many ways, he was like a baby. Jane Goodall is quoted as saying, when you meet chimps, you meet individual personalities. When a baby chimp looks at you, it's just like a human baby. And this was what she viewed Nim as. Within a couple of months, he could scoot around the house, and in a few more months, he could climb the walls, uh-huh. and yet he had diapers on, and he was vulnerable, and he needed to be fed. Yeah. But very quickly, his physical attributes emerged. That's so weird. I wouldn't expect that. And from a very powerful small animal. You were asking about her husband. Yeah. There was a husband. Oh, good. There was a husband. Her husband's name was Weir. W E R. And, uh. I'm sorry? Weir. W E R? <laughs> it sounded like you started a name and you didn't finish it. I think his parents had died during naming. <laughs> How did Weir feel, is your question? He wasn't into it. <laughs> What are we doing? We're. What are we doing? We're was not a fan. We're was not a fan of this. Stephanie. Also, it's his, uh, like, it's his brownstone. So, like, it's his. He. I, he it seem. It seemingly he just got pushed over, and 
he just allowed this with very he had very little he could say about it but uh he was not into it if you don't let me have my monkey i am leaving with the kids and there was an age difference too in between, know, in between uh, Stephanie, Stephanie and Weir, yeah, and he's, and, he's and Weir and Nim. He's older. Weir's he's older. A little, he's a little older. Probably like, probably like fifteen, twenty years old or something like that. Oh, boy. Um, she's like pushing forty now, right? Or is she? No, she's no, she's young. She's probably like, like thirty. She's young. So she's been cranking out kids. Yeah. I, okay. I'm not, I, but I'm not a hundred percent. I don't know. They're, they they right. were super weird hippies. Okay. So, but yeah, they, they had seven, seven children. I don't know if some of them were weirs, but uh, anyway, his name's weird. That's what matters. Uh, Weir was a thinker. He was a poet. He was not have interested in having a chimp live in his brownstone. That's so weird. Cause most poets would love to have a chimp living with them. Yeah. Listen, I mean, who wouldn't, there's no greater way to do poetry than it with having an animal scurry across it's the great roof. Great for screeching. your material too. Um, it was said uh, he was a poet, and he wasn't interested in having a chimp in his brownstone. It was said that Nim didn't like Weir, and Weir did not like Nim. Nim would begin pulling Weir's books off of the bookshelf, oh, scattering Weir's books all over the floor. Oh, my God. A clear fuck you to Weir, who was meticulous about his books. Weir had lost his home to Nim, never getting it under control. One day, when Nim was being fed, he, Weir put his arm around Stephanie. Big mistake. Nim did not like what he saw. Oh, no. And he bit Weir's hand Holy hard. fuck. What, how old is fucking Nim now? Nim's just about a year. Jesus Christ. But he's he's a fucking chimp. Yeah, okay. He, he right. is like... He's, it's, yeah, I get it. He's yeah. an animal. So he, he also... And, I mean, I don't even know, like... <laughs> Where you can stand on this, but he, you know, he the chimps have fangs. Yeah, his fangs were never removed, so he had, he was he had fangs. Right. So when he bit people, he would fucking bite people. It was becoming clear to Weir that if Stephanie had to choose between Nim and Weir, she would choose Nim. Oh, she was shit. that smitten. Well, she loved her little guy. As far as the sign language goes, Stephanie didn't seem that bothered about teaching Nim sign. <laughs> which was the whole point of the fucking experiment. She just wanted a new little hairy baby. Who doesn't? I, I, Truth be told, she wasn't even fluent in sign language. Wait, what? I'm sorry. Could you back up? It's a, wasn't the whole deal was that she was going to teach the So the whole deal is language? like, to see, yeah. So, so he is like in. So she, be, she should be signing to him this whole time. It, it should all be about sign language and communication. That's not to say that she wasn't. Like she knew sign language and some of her kids knew sign language. But she's not fluent. But it, it was not – and it was not a focus. It really right. was not a focus for her. Right. Just having a new little monkey baby was a focus. She, I mean she, she was like way more focused on spending quality time with Nim, whether it be breastfeeding Nim or laying naked with Nim and letting Nim explore her body oh, or watching on. Nim masturbate or letting Nim drink alcohol or even letting Nim smoke pot with her and some other hippies. Wait. Nim was basically allowed to do whatever the fuck he wanted. Oh, God. It, it, he had no rules, like and, and but I mean honestly, like she's you she's, have to even if it's a monkey, you have to give it boundaries. I can't believe I'm. Sorry, I shouldn't. No, it, it, it's honestly true. You have to give kids boundaries, and you have to give. And if you have an animal living with you, you have to give it boundaries. So she and she didn't give a fuck. Like she just wanted him to be hap- as happy as he could be. Did you say she? The monkey watched. Did you say Nim watched her masturbate? No, or she watched, she watched Nim, Nim masturbate, masturbate. But he was very like physical, and she uh, basically she had she put very little limits on what she would let Nim do as far as like touch her breasts or like I think like touch her fucking vagina. <laughs> like I mean, look, he's curious. He's cu- well, and keep in mind too that the you know a chimp 
a chimp of uh, like his life, it, he becomes an adolescent faster. I mean, he's fucking one, so it's not right, like right, right. Yeah. But he, they do. They it's do. It's not like a one-year-old human. Yeah, he's a little older. Right. I mean, you know, not masturbation a lot older. age. No, I don't even know if he's masturbation age. Who knows what he's? I mean, I guess every chimp is masturbation age. <laughs> That seems to be what they love to do is masturbate. Uh, Nim was basically allowed to do whatever he wanted. He would climb the walls. He would rip apart pillows, and he was never told no. So just to recap what's going on here, Dave. No boundaries. Herb's former student slash bang buddy, Stephanie, uh-huh. who was supposed to be teaching Nim sign language in the name of science, mm-hmm. is in actuality just getting high with him and letting him play with her naughty bits. <laughs> That's where we are, just okay. so we're clear. Look, it's going to make a great comedy. So you're probably wondering... Where the architect Herb Terrace was. Oh, yeah. Right. Was he checking in all the time? He's the guy who started this whole thing. Right, it's thing. his experiment. He would check in from time to time, What's time, uh, time. and he would look into the results. He didn't come by much, though. Herb stood by that decision by suggesting that a chimp will always gravitate towards the mother. He also was cold to Nim, viewing him more as an experiment, not a living, breathing, feeling uh, being. Nim didn't care for Herb much either, biting him one day when he tried to pull him from a hiding Jesus place. Christ. And in general, it is true that, like... A chimp, like, is, it, you know, it's going to go more maternal. But still, you should not, like, it, it, he he put it in this fucking brownstone. Yeah. And it's there, and he doesn't do shit. Right. Um, so Nim was, but, but still, Nim was smart. He, he really was. He was learning signs as time wore on, wore on. He was starting to say things like play and Nim and eat and hug. He was minorly connecting thoughts. He was sweet. He was empathetic. But Stephanie still refused to control Nim. And Herb was taking note that this was maybe not the best environment for Nim and science. Nim was only a year and a half old, but it was obvious there was no discipline. Stephanie eventually stopped listening to Herb completely. (laughs) Shaking off charts for progress, Stephanie did nothing. There were literally, she took no notes, there were no tracking stats, there was no schedule, there were no journals. There was zero. And that's why Herb Terrace is such an asshole. Because he just let this go on for 18 months. 18 months Nim is there, going apeshit, masturbating, like smoking weed, drinking, and he's Uh. learning very few signs just that he's picking up that's insane so herb finally made a good decision he decided to try to move on from stephanie all right he put up a sign looking for people to participate in a sign language experiment at columbia and in walked laura and petito okay i'm sorry Mm -hmm. this isn't a thing where you put up a fucking flyer yeah yeah no like do you want to learn how to play the drums this (laughs) what slip little flyer Looking for a drummer and someone to uh, house a dog walker, uh, an adolescent chimp. Yep, and teach it how to speak Te- English. Teach it how to talk with its hands. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Now this is gonna go great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so now, uh, now a chimp that has already had the horror of being ripped away from its mother is now going to be ripped away from its other mother. Yes. However, well, okay. So, so that, so okay. So she, she walks in. She's eighteen. She's attractive. She immediately recognizes the scientific integrity of all this, and they couldn't just like yank him out. Um, I, like there are very few good calls made. Uh, one of them being that they couldn't just yank him away. So what they started to do was Laura started to come over to Stephanie Lafarge's house, and she was there as a teacher. She was teaching Nim signs and started to form uh, a bond. A bond. With him. Hey, now, girl. How do you think Stephanie took that? 
Well, she's going to get jealous. Not good. Stephanie did not like Laura. She felt threatened by all the teaching, and she could see him slipping away to his new favorite. She, she really was so steadfast in the belief that he should not be learning. Is this a weird question, but is, is Laura hot? Laura is hot. <laughs> Laura is hot. So she, so, so what, what Stephanie ended up doing was she attempted to limit when they could come over and see him. This is Herb. She's like, yeah, you can't come over right now. So finally. Nim's busy climbing the wall. Yeah, like, yeah, Nim's masturbating on my tits. So you can't come over now. He's getting high. Later. He's getting high. He's eating Weir's brain. Um, right now, Nim's eating Weir's brain like it's a pumpkin he's emptying. Poor Weir. Um, so finally, after a little bit of time, Nim was removed from the brownstone and Stephanie Lafarge's quote-unquote care. Wow. Uh, after the ordeal, Stephanie Lafarge admitted to not wanting Nim to learn any language. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. She is... Such an asshole. Uh, Nim was moved to a room in Columbia University, a place where he would not be treated like a goddamn party animal. Oh, it's time for college. Uh, it's right, exactly. It's, yeah. Well, Let's this is the this. sequel, baby. <laughs> Nim goes to college now, baby. Um, here, Laura came up with a schedule, and she started to teach Nim, see what he could really do. She was great. Every few days, he's learning more and more signs. As time wore on... I told you this was going to be a good ending dude, story. It's, it's great. As time wore on, Nim is getting bigger and he's getting smarter and yeah. a move was needed. But basically, she's just like in this little room teaching him and he's like absorbing signs. He's like getting it. He's – the words are just – I mean he's learning more and more. Yeah. He's becoming much more expressive. Um, but he's too big. So where, what are they going to do? Well, Herb came up with a plan mm. to go to the president of Columbia University and suggest – that they move Nim into a 37-room mansion in the New York Palisades that Columbia owned. The oh president, my God, what? The well, president, this is season three. We're already there. Yeah, that was a short, yeah, it's true. <laughs> the college years were, went by so fast. Well, listen, I mean. We're he, already into season three. Yeah. And now, yeah, now, now, Nim's, a, now Nim's Richie Rich. Moving on up. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is crazy. So, so he suggested we move Nim into a 37-room mansion in the Palisades. The president... Uh, was not sure and said, okay, if Herb would pay for the heat. What? Herb said, sure, he'll pay for the heat. And then the president basically said, yes, take a two-year-old chimp to this 37-room mansion. What? Because that makes sense. Is no one, so no one else is in the mansion? Nobody. So it's just going to be him and Laura? Well, what they're, they're actually going to start, they're going to expand it, and they're going to bring uh, more teachers in. So what they did was Laura and Herb moved in uh, to this mansion. They hired more teachers for NIM. Uh, but Laura was to be the, the NIM's primary teacher, the head project coordinator, and essentially the mother. She, again, was to raise him just like a, tile, a child while attempting to teach him American Sign Language. When NIM arrived at the 37-room mansion, he was elated. <laughs> He'd been living in this fucking brownstone. Yeah, right. He'd been he's staying in a room in Columbia. And now he's got a fucking giant place to fucking Acres. swing his he's shit He's never around. really seen nature. So he's seeing grass. Um, he's happy. He's happy as he can be at least. And being a consummate professional. Wait, I didn't think about that. So it's not even, it's not even taking a, a fucking chimp and putting him in... Housing, it's taking him chin, and a chimp and putting him in a city. Like, he hasn't seen fucking He's trees. Like a, and, I always think that with dogs in New York. When I yeah, see dogs in I New York shit way. on concrete, I'm like, it just must be a little weird for them. Yeah, totally. Like, I, they get comfortable with it, but it's just a little weird. No, it's got to be weird. But he, he's, he's never, I mean, and the whole thing, again, is like, 
you know, that's the idea is to like treat him like a regular fucking human. Right. So, I mean, that's part of it. Um, so he was, he's over the moon. Um, and you know, her, uh, terrorist being a consummate professional eventually began sleeping with Laura, even though she was 18 and he was in his late thirties. Oh my God. He's a fucking pervert. Oh, but come on. He's using a monkey to get laid. That's fucking he, he, amazing. I, I mean, he, but that's why he also took it to, St- he like took hey. it to Stephanie cause he used the banger. Hey, what's your and, name? Laura? Is it Laura? Yeah. You ever seen a monkey? Your dick's out. Yeah. Um, that's not the monkey I'm talking about. You ever seen a monkey? No. Don't look. Don't look down there. Look up here. Uh huh. No. S- you want to see a monkey? Sure. All right. Come on. You mean your dick, right? No, it's gonna be a monkey. I feel like this ends with your dick. I, yeah, it does. I knew it. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, yeah. So Herb's <laughs> a consummate pro. Um, so Nim, but Nim again is getting bigger. He is growing. His diapers eventually become an issue. Yeah, sure. Uh, like he's, they I mean, ma- they don't make a giant baby diapers. No, not, Target not, does not have giant diapers. baby diapers. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's Mommy, not a wow. Se- there's yeah. not a chimp section at Target. <laughs> I think that's what the plan was here. Um, but Laura was communicating with him so fluidly that she was actually able to tell, and he could communicate to her when he had to use the toilet. With sign language. With sign language. He would gesture that he had to go to the bathroom. Yep. And he was putting senses together. He That's was learning more That's amazing that a, 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 an intelligent animal can point its butt. Yeah. He, They've really made some progress. Yeah, it's true. But he, he again, he, uh, like, okay, his estimated his, when, uh, adult... His estimated size was to be 5'11", 150 pounds, and to be six times stronger than a man. Jeez. Okay? So around three years old, he begins to realize his strength, and he begins to become a little sassy. Uh, <laughs> he gets into attack mode more and more. Does he, is he able to sign, I don't take any shit? No shit. No, no shit. shit. Like, he just says no and then throws his shit. <laughs> no shit. Huh? No shit. Starts carrying a chalice the around way, the house. By the way, uh, recently heard a thing with Jane Goodall where uh, you know the, there is the stereotype that monkeys love to throw their shit. They just do it at people, right? They just do it in captivity. <laughs> the only reason monkeys throw their shit is because they're in captivity and they're in fucking hell. And prisoners like to throw their shit on the walls. Yeah, of course they do. Crazy ones. I mean, yeah. you got to make you got to make statements. Mel Gibson did it on South Park. Um, so he he would go into attack more and more and more. If he didn't like how you stood up. He would go into attack mode. If you didn't share food with him, he would go into attack mode. Nim would get pissed, and he would, sh- he would show you by staring at you, and the hairs on him would stand up. Oh, fuck that. He would bark. Nobody was, needs that shit, hair standing up. He would bark. He was threatening. He still had those fangs. He was, by all means, a wild animal. If you showed weakness in his presence, he exploited it. He, he could put you in your place in a violent and aggressive way. So they all said you couldn't be too kind to him. As he became an adolescent... He, you had to make him respect you. Right, you got to set boundaries. But you got to set boundaries. But the thing about respecting and the respect works with a kid because they're they're scared of you. Yes. Not physically, but you know they're yeah. He okay. he physically needed to know that you were not afraid to get physical with him. Okay. And I mean, there were many teachers who would come in and out of this this experiment, and a lot of them would not be. You know, if he if he thought you were weak right away, he would be like, "Go fuck yourself." And he well, would yeah, I would you. be weak. I wouldn't fucking look at a monkey. Oh, and be like, right. oh, I am better than you, dude. Me and me and Evan worked on this show where uh, it was the worst show. But one of the things you had monkey to do, cop, monkey cop. You remember it? Yeah, it was, it was not good. I mean, I loved it. Yeah, I know. No, yeah, no. I mean, New York Times said this show's bananas. Some of the best takedowns. I've Thank ever you. Seen. Um, <laughs> 
But there was a, it was a, a terrible it was like a terrible like Hollywood story where there's like a chimp who is being fed McDonald's like by an owner and he's there and he had to do these improv things. I won't bore people with this nonsense, but he had to do this improv shit. <laughs> oh my god, that was Improv Monkey. That's a great show. It's a terrible show. He could not yes and. He would he would no poo. He did yes shit. He yes pooed. Um, uh. But it, and you'd watch it and he he was on a leash the whole time and he was so domesticated but still angry. Not, you could sense it. it just, it's off. There's, yes, there's it's something off. off. It's totally because off. Because it's a wild animal, and you have it on a leash in a studio. Yes. And it, yeah, and they would give him Jolly Ranchers. It was great. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you couldn't be kind. Uh, he, as he became an adolescent, if you were not mean, he wouldn't respect you. The fact of the matter is he respected people who would actually bite him or hit him. Joyce Butler, a new teacher. Oh, my teacher, God. This sounds like my kid. He's just like Finn. I've always yeah, said that. Yeah, um, the I, bit, fact, I bit him so hard yesterday. Uh, you, you have to at this age. Yeah, like he wouldn't. Yeah. yeah, he looked at me weird. And you I was like, teacher. all right, here we go. Make that hair on your back stand That's up. That's right. The back of your neck stand up and fucking show that little guy. Um, but Joyce Butler, uh, a newly hired teacher, bit Nim's ear when he misbehaved immediately when she met him. He like, What? Bit, he bit her. She bit his ear. Shut up. And then their relationship was solidified. <laughs> Oh, fuck me. Well, this lady gets it. Yeah, he really was. You know what? I like this one. This uh, one's solid. She fucking almost bit my ear off. She's great. Laura, stick around. however, uh, was getting attacked a little bit more and more by because him. Because Laura is soft and gentle. Laura And Laura's known him since he was little. Yeah. Like, the difference between him when he was 18 months or a year right. He's changed to a lot. now is vastly different. Let's face it. We've he, all he seen knew, He knew... That he could get shit. Right. Like it was almost it's almost like like Neo in the Matrix being like, wait, I'm the fucking I'm Neo. Right. Like he started to realize like, fuck, I'm stronger. I can get what I fucking want from these people. It's a lot like Neo. It's a lot like I've always said that. Um, but Laura was getting tacked more and more. One time having to receive thirty seven stitches in her arm, another time Nim ripped a tendon out of her wrist. You know what? Work is hard. Work's hard. Um, today I had a, I had an eye taken out and I don't have any tendons in my arms. Anymore. Yeah, no, thirty seven stitches. He and they said that he almost needed to draw blood to stop. And she went back. She was there. She, she went back after getting thirty seven. So she's 30, fucking nuts. Thirty seven stitches. She's they, crazy. They all seemingly form a bond with Nim. Where they, it almost doesn't matter. It's almost worth it. Um, the good news is Herb Terrace didn't seem to find any of this too alarming and did very little. Why to would you? It. Why would it be alarming that a, a, a fucking wild animal ripped a tendon out of a human? It's true. It, it's it, a it job. Makes, it, you should, would be surprised if he didn't attack people. Uh, so Herb didn't do much, but he was growing tired of his relationship with Laura, and he called it quits. What? Uh, he Who gets was, tired of fucking an eighteen-year-old? Yeah, she uh, when she was le- so so oh, that wait. was it. Uh, so just, she decided she was heartbroken and she decided she was going to leave the project. Oh man, it was all about him, and that's what got her to go. She got well, thirty-seven yeah. stitches. She got her tendon ripped out, and yeah. that was shit. Herb, um, you know where it hurts? Inside. So many stitches. It hurts right in here. There's not so enough many stitches. emotional stitches. Not enough stitches to take care of what happened to me. When she was leaving. Nim could tell. Really? Yep. She had boxes. He could tell she was leaving. She, he was being held by somebody. And as he was leaving, uh, he jumped basically off of a balcony to go to her. He went up to her, took her by the head, and bashed her head into the concrete. It took four men to restrain him. 
she would survive this heartfelt goodbye. Holy shit. What? Yeah. Holy fuck. Oh, my God. That's exactly how I broke up with the two of my girlfriends. You, I thought it sounded familiar yeah. when I read it. Off the fucking balcony, smashed the heads. I thought it sounded you familiar. You leave. Just so like she, that. Yeah. So he and she's she. Well, that's love. That is love. That's true. Was he love. wearing a wife beater? <laughs> he was drinking a Blatz. <laughs> He's having a can of Blatz, smoking a Newport and a wife beater. Waiting for NASCAR to come yeah, on. Yeah, waiting for his NASCAR shit. He's like, bitch, I told you, lady. Goddamn. Um, so after her departure, Nim really began bonding with uh, Joyce, who the, the lady who bit him. Uh, yeah. And another teacher named Bill Tynan. Oh, Bill. Bill. They would take uh, Nim on walks. They would have little picnics with him. And, uh, of course, uh, Bill and Joyce started fucking because Nim was like Viagra. Hold on. on. (laughs) You went through something very fast. Mm -hmm. It sounded like you said something that... um, Can you repeat that? Well, which part? (laughs) The part about Joyce The little picnics? No. They weren't fucking Nim. Bill and Joyce started. Oh, God. I thought you said she was fucking a monkey. No, no, no. No, no, no. Don't worry. No, Nim is. So Bill and Joyce are fucking, which is a great choice around a crazy monkey. But that's what seems to happen is that like you, it's like. Let me just, let me tell you something right now. I don't know shit about chimps. Okay. But I can tell, I know they can smell dick on you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. (laughs) So. Yeah, but so they're like spending all this time with him and they both are like bonding with him and like, and then they just started started dating. Yeah. Um, oh, so bad idea. Nim, it's always a bad idea to start like a, a coworker relationship, but not when there's a monkey involved. Yeah, don't shit where you chimp. No. <laughs> Honestly, good lord. Um, or chimp will shit you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nim loved cats. On some of their walks, <laughs> on some of their walks. They would let Nim play with the cat. Oh, God, don't do that. He loved the cats. He would hold them. He would pet them. No. He was so excited by them that he sometimes would shake with nerves while petting them. Oh, God, it's like, have we not seen the play? As Nim's sexuality grew, he began to really love cats. No, no, God damn it. He began to rub the cats up against his chimp love shaft. Oh, fuck yeah. But it wasn't, he was never trying to, it was like if a dog humped your leg. He was never, there was never like fear of insertion, but he would take the cats and he would start to sort of like, like, yeah, he would start to, sorry. It's so soft. Never thought about this, but cats are very soft. Right, but. And and if you have a dick and you're a monkey. I'm going to lock Jose in the other room real quick. You get. Huh? No, I'm saying if you're a monkey, it's like having a little little fuck thing. Right. You rub it against your. uh, Okay, didn't see you taking Nim's side in this one. I think Nim's making the first really good decision he's made. I mean, uh-huh. he's not putting his dick in there. He's he, just he, rubbing he it up not, against him. He was not, but his, his humps were aggressive, and the okay. cats, they started to have to take away the cats more Well, the more cats more. probably didn't enjoy it all that much. Well, when he would pet them, he would, he was, he, it, he was, like, nervous about... Would he, was this when he really started talking? Hook him and pet him and rub him and... <laughs> <laughs> no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Uh, so they eventually started to have to take the cats uh, away from him. Um... Now you gotta was, do that. We do that with our son Finn when he tries to fuck the cats. Yeah. Same yeah. Deal. Well, it sounds genetic from the way you just acted. 
Um, I mean, it's a family thing. Okay. It was not lost on any of us. It uh, goes back, from what I understand, generations all the way to monkeys. Okay. You're claiming that you never evolved out of... Some things we kept. <laughs> oh, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave, don't. Uh, Nim was very communicative. Mm-hmm. He, uh, all of his teachers believed they were having actual conversations with him. Um, when things were going really well, Herb decided that it was time to force Bill, Joyce, and Nim to start coming into Columbia at times to record some of the interactions. So they would basically now, like, he's, he's there and he's learning, but Herb decides that he wants, like, actual footage of this. So he insists they go in, and Nim, and they, they, Nim hated the classroom. He missed the mansion. Sure. It was a small brick room with no windows. No, it's fucking horseshit. And he quickly learned... Yeah, it's it, he hates it. Wait, why why they even bring him in there? What's the fucking point? Because he uh, Herb Terrace for whatever reason seemed to be a fan of a more sterile environment. Well, he's a fucking idiot. We already yes, know this. Where there was more focus. That's true. Sterile, this is the guy who had him living with fucking crazy McTitty and defended uh, it and defended it for a long long time. Crazy McTitty hippie chick. Uh, quickly, Nim learned that in the classroom, if he had to go to the bathroom, he could leave the classroom. Oh. Which meant that Nim started signing that he had to go to the bathroom more and more until it became a problem. Nim kept saying he had to go to the bathroom and he was really just ditching class. <laughs> he's like a fucking teenager dude, now. I love him. I, rem- I mean, I remember. I, fucking, I did that. Dude, Who didn't do that? I, somebody told me one time that if you left a class for five minutes every class, you went to the bathroom for five minutes every class, at the end of the year, at the end of the year, you'd miss like seven days of school or something. Dude, oh my God, that, someone did math. It stuck with me so much <laughs> that I, every class, I was like, yep, gotta do five minutes. Like, teachers would be like, seriously? I'd be like, yep. I, like, clockwork, had to do it every single class. Um, Nim was starting to like Herb less and less. Herb really would That's just show really up weird. for, yeah, he's a shithead. Herb <clears throat> would show up mainly for photo shoots, uh, with Nim, or when someone wanted to interview him, he wanted Nim there, kind of his arm candy. Herb was getting bit more and more by Nim. However, the worst bite of all uh, did not happen to Herb. It happened one day when oh, Bill, Bill was handing oh. Nim to another trainer. Bill. So they would basically, like, they would he have... smelled Joyce on him. They would have... They would, Bill doesn't get bit. They would have rope attached to their belt <laughs> that would be attached to Nim, and then they would... <clears throat> like pass Nim to the other trainer who would take him, and then they would attach Nim to that person's belt, right? Um, so it was a really common transaction, and as Nim was being passed off to a female trainer, he bit her face, basically ripping her cheek down. Uh, oh. Blood gushed out, and she was immediately taken to the hospital. Uh. Uh, it turns out she would be okay if okay means having to let it heal on its own because it couldn't be sutured for fear of infection. God, what? Yeah, so that was a fun year. Oh my God, what? Fun year? I don't know how long What does that even mean? It means that... <laughs> it means that her cheek... She had to hold it? Like, what would you... I think that... I, I think they just had to, like, keep it like an open fucking wound. Like, and let it, like, almost like scab heal. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. I Look, who knows? I mean, this is not this is not the fucking 1830s, but yeah, she had to keep her fucking cheek <laughs> Yeah, it is. Cheek no, open. it officially is the 1830s. It is, yeah. It's uh, not far off. So it was becoming more evident to people that, Chim, uh, that Nim was a fucking chimpanzee. Really? Yeah. With all that going on, Terrace's teaching schedule, and with what he was calling babysitting problems... Oh, my God. He eventually decided to bring Nim's tenure at Columbia to a close. Gotta go ahead and wrap this up. 
He was shutting down the experiment. Well, why not? Just let's put him out in the, uh, I guess, just toss him in the river or whatever. Garbage night. Just yeah, put him out garbage, garbage night. night. That was it. Herb gathered all of the teachers and told them that was a wrap. He said it was done, and they were all heartbroken. Um, mainly because they all felt like while he was becoming violent, while he was, you know, a, an animal, yeah. he was learning. It was working. Sure. I mean, so, yeah. Okay. So what if Nim, Dave? Where do you put him? Where does he go? Is there a monkey He's farm? age five at this point. He's okay. been raised by humans. Zoo. What about whole... a zoo? He can't go to a zoo? Dave. He's, we're, no, because he's been around humans, so he can't be around monk, um, other well, chimps. Zoos, or... But zoos are terrible. Okay. So what about like a, uh, like a ranch for wayward chimps? It's amazing how close you're getting to some stuff. <laughs> he was age five, and he'd been raised by humans his whole life. That is all he knew. So Herb made a call to Dr. Lemon at the Institute for Primate Studies. Okay. The same facility where Nim was born. Uh, the plan was to return Nim there. No, that's like a fucking... That is worse than a zoo. Back to Shawshank, baby. Oh, that's fucking worse than Shaw... Well, they did close Shawshank because of all the... Herb wrote in his 1979 book, Nim, The regularities in our corpus that were noted before Nim returned to Oklahoma gave me reason to believe that Nim was creating primitive sentences. Our intensive post-Oklahoma effort at data analysis had hardly begun. However, when I began to doubt that Nim's combinations were legitimate sentences, Terrace concluded that despite long strings of signs such as give orange, me give, eat orange, me eat orange, give me, eat orange, give me you, Nim's actual sentences averaged 1.5 signs and were not sentences at all. Had Nim's learning ground to a, uh, had Nim's learning ground to a halt, or had he just gotten what he wanted with the longer strings of signs? Terence concluded that Nim had never signed a true sentence. Oh my god! And that god. many of Nim's individual signs immediately followed similar signs by his trainers. Close examination of his films convinced Terrace that Nim mostly imitated trainers, often after prompting. <sighs> Furthermore, Terrace analyzed films of other ape projects, including two about Washu, and concluded that in those projects, too, trainers repeatedly prompted and then interpreted separate responses as sentences. What about Coco? Well, the tr- what about Nim? I mean, they're all, like, he's yeah, wrong. You can't just say all the fucking experiments are wrong. He is, his claim is that he found, yeah, he, his, his findings said that, that primates... Chimps does he were die? unable does he die at the end of this? to communicate. He's still alive. Okay, that's a bad idea. <clears throat> um, if so, I if I had found the story, he would have died. At listen, the end. I'm ready to go hurt him. Uh, he would have been airdropped over a, a listen, Dave. A, a, listen, a jungle in Africa. Well, the good news is he's probably dating a 16 year old right now. So <laughs> who gives a shit? So they chartered a plane. To Call the, me monkey. They chartered a plane. They drugged Nim, and they headed back to Oklahoma. Oh, perfect. When you wake up, shit's going to be so fucking weird. Man, let me tell you how bad drugs are, Nim. You're going to come out of this shit, and you're going to be in a fucking cage with your mom yeah, well, who doesn't know you. To be fair, he probably already shot heroin with Stephanie. <laughs> so uh, He definitely did mushrooms and peyote with for Stephanie. For sure, no doubt. Yeah. When they got there, Bill and Joyce were shocked. This was not what anyone thought it would be. There were a lot of chimps, and they were all caged in. It was essentially a chimp jail. Now keep in mind, Nim had never seen another chimp that wasn't his mother 
and he'd only seen her for like two days. Oh my god! And that god. was a long time ago. He never so he'd saw never, another he'd never chimp. Seen another chimp. All right, so you're a dude, and you are now fifteen. Yes. Right. So you you were taken away from your mother and raised by turtles. Yeah. And so all you know is turtles. It's and like then taking... you get sent back to a you get sent back to fucking Cochrane. Yes. And they go, all right, have a good time. Yeah. It's like taking Mobley from the Jungle Book and putting him in a public school <laughs> at 16. <laughs> and being like, why is he not adapting? Why doesn't he like it? Um, Wait, so did Bill and Joyce leave him there, or did they try to take him away? Well, okay. So they pull up. Joyce recalls her and them both thinking the exact same thing at the exact same time. Holy shit. What Herb Terrace politely called a more primitive facility than what I had remembered. Some fences were electrified. Fuck off. He remembered it. <sighs> this fucking dude. Some fences were electrified because of chimp-on-chimp killings. Some attendants at the facility had electric prodders to keep the chimps in line. It's just so different than what they he's gone through. A, they didn't have a lady that bit ears? <laughs> no, they didn't have a lady biting like ears. Like a recess no. lady who no. bit ears? No, no, no. They just had, uh, they just had prods. All right. Um, so in order to ease in Nim a little bit, they set up a chimp play date with a chimp named Mac. Uh, Mac and Nim, Mac was also a chimp who was like a little more withdrawn. So they actually got along okay, and right. Nim was starting to learn. This is not over the course of months. This is the, over the course of a day or a couple days. Right. Um, so they felt like they had acclimated Nim enough to that facility. Bill picked up Nim, took him into the facility, took him into a cage, tied his lease to the cage, shut the door, and left. Nim was kept in his own small cage, and he could be heard screaming as Bill left. Oh. Nim was on his own. He was given no special oh treatment. Oh, my God. He was just one of the other chimps. He was extremely distressed. He bit a trainer, and he was shocked with a prod. He was looked at by a spoil, like a spoiled child by some of the workers. Of course he was. They were like, look at fancy pants. Oh, here's Mr. I went to a private school. He's totally private school. Welcome to the real world, motherfucker. Uh, Bob Ingersoll, a graduate student at the University of Oklahoma, was working as a research assistant at the primate facility and met Nim on his first day. You could read fear and apprehension through his facial expression and his body language, Ingersoll says. It was very distressing to him, and some of us were really worried about Nim, and we spent quite a lot of time with him, making sure he was eating and drinking and not being picked up by the other chimps. Ingersoll was Nim's saving grace. After a year had gone by, Herb Terrace came back to the primate facility for a photo shoot with Nim. Nim was screaming and was so happy to see Herb. Herb thought Nim was totally happy to see him. In reality, Nim thought seeing Herb meant that he was going home. He wasn't. Later that day, Herb left and never came back. It was the last time he would see Nim. That's too bad because Nim should get to kill him. I just snap agree. his neck and a, oh. maybe they see each other on a subway in 10 years. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I would love it. And then Nim just snacks, snaps his neck on the two be great. and then he goes to fucking work. That'd be great. Yeah. I could see him functioning in the business world. Yeah, for sure. He's got, he's definitely got what it takes to work for a hedge fund. He could definitely be, he could definitely be on the celebrity apprentice. Um, Nim was depressed. You're fired. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Hired, 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 hired. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, he was a terrible project manager. <laughs> Nim was depressed. Reality was setting in. And Ingersoll could tell. So he took further interest in Nim. He immediately began using sign language with Nim to comfort him. 
He said the chimp was never aggressive around him and quickly became one of his good friends. It was easy to hang out with him, he says. He did for me the same thing that I did for him, which was make him feel comfortable and certain and familiar with the situation. Bob Ingersoll walked with Nim, but he didn't bribe him with treats, and Nim loved Bob for it. Bob knew what the other workers with Nim had done. He could communicate. Herb was wrong. He was an idiot. He would tell you about the berries he found. He knew how to ask you to play specifically. He actually signed Stone Smoke Time Now to us first, Ingersoll says. We were shocked. Although we were familiar with chimpanzees that did things like drinking and smoke cigarettes and that sort of thing, <laughs> I'd never had a chimpanzee request weed from me. Cards? That was an eye-opener. Smoke? Cards? Obviously, watch, Bob got... Watch Jerk? Bob. Watch Jerk? Cat. Stephanie watched Cat. 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 Cat suck dick? Cat. Cat suck dick, smoke joint? Cat suck dick, smoke joint? <laughs> so obviously, Bob got Nim stoned. Nim knew exactly how to smoke oh weed. Oh, my God. The marijuana would chill Nim out. That was Laura. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe no, Stephanie? No, Stephanie, Stephanie. No, not when he was a baby. Oh, no, Stephanie. No, earlier I mentioned Stephanie, Stephanie was got him high. high. Yeah, she got him high. She let him drink. She let him suck his, her tits. So it's she just was, like she did with the, her normal kids. Yeah. Honestly, Weir was probably like, um, the chimp does everything and gets to smoke pot. Yeah, well, I get just get bit. I, uh, I, used, to, I used to get blowjobs. I mean, used to. Uh, Ingersoll and Nim spent much of their time together. The bond was extremely strong. Nim actually made a friend of his own species while in there. Oh. A chimp named Lily, who Nim most likely fathered a child to. Fuck yeah. Things had finally balanced out. All right. But Dr. Lemon was coming under financial hardship. Oh, fuck. Well, it's so weird because he runs like a, a gulag for chimps. You'd think that things would be good. That You'd business would, would be, be booming. I don't know why they're not. It was like oil. He could no longer keep the primate facility open. Not knowing what to do, he decided to sell all of the chimps. Nim was to be sold and moved. This time to a LEMSIP, or oh. a Laboratory for Experimental Medicine and Surgery no. in Primates. Shut up. Most of the work that would be done at this facility were vaccines. For instance, a chimp would be given hepatitis or AIDS, uh. and vaccines would be tested on them. Thankfully, Nim was the only chimp with a restriction put on him. While his fellow chimps were to be slowly killed through experiments, Nim was only to be used in language experiments. Oh, my God. Still, it was worse than where he just was. He was in a new place in a small cage surrounded by six sick chimps that he sort of knew. At so least, he went there anyway. Oh, he was still in there. He Even still, though they couldn't use the experiments on him. They, they, uh, they could do sign experiments on him. So he was there. They, all, all of them were in there, and he's in there too. And it is, you know, it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they, they're, you know, they're just killing off a lot of the chimps just through terrible injections. And these chimps get so sick. And are just, they are clueless. They're un, unable to explain. And actually, what they were saying, too, is that in this facility, the chimps, chimps knew signs. They knew how to say certain, not, not just Nim. Right. Other chimps knew they how to say, like, signs. hug, play, oh, help, like, shit like that. So might and as well so, kill them. And so these, these fucking chimps are just losing their shit, just getting, you know, uh, injected. Um, so... He, it's worse. I mean, where he was before, he could roam the property on a leash, uh, and Ingersoll was fucking pissed. But he couldn't do anything. The only thing he could do was continue to hound the facility, and he did. The main scientist there named Mahoney grew to hate Bob Ingersoll and his constant attempts to get him out of there and give him guilt trips. So Ingersoll started going to the press, making phone calls, doing whatever he could, and thankfully the press did actually listen to Bob. The story began to be heard. 
People knew what was actually happening. And then one day, a lawyer, Henry Herman, caught wind of the Nim story and decided this was a case for him. Fucking Henry Herman. He wanted Nim to be represented in court as a human. He argued that Nim had been raised as a human and he should get in his, his day in court just like a human. Henry. His plan was to wheel in a cage, much like the ones at the Lempsip facility, and put Nim inside of it. When Nim was inside, he would most likely freak out and sign to them that he wanted to leave, thus proving that Nim could communicate and was being held under unfair conditions. Thankfully, it never got that far. The facility hated all the media attention Uh and immediately said they were going to release Nim. See? Twitter. Twitter always works. Hashtag Nim. (laughs) So Ingersoll had done it. He'd gotten him out. Fuck yeah. But where to now? This is a great story. A great ending. I love this ending. You can't put Nim back into the brownstone. Don't know what to do. So, before anyone could really think it through and what would be right, a a man named Cleveland Armory stepped in. Never a good name. Cleveland Armory was a prominent humorist and humanitarian. He founded the Fund for Animals in 1967. This was a facility where hurt or abused animals could go to get a second chance. Mm. A place where they will never have to fear again. Armory bought Nim from the facility. Nim was to be sent to the Fun for Animals Black Beauty Ranch. The sign outside as you drive in reads, I have nothing to fear, and here my story ends. My troubles all are over, and I am home. Oh, God. However, Nim's troubles were not all over. Well, he's fucking crazy. The facility was mainly for equines. Horses, hooved animals. I'm sorry. Nim was the first chimp. Yeah, no, it's basically a horse ranch. Okay. (laughs) So, like, this ranch... This ranch is essentially a place where there's one, you know, one-legged deer, horses that have been abused, and they have a great life. They are able to just well, sort of they're walk. fucking idiots that just walk around eating. Well, and they and they can just exactly. I mean, you you acres of land that'll do. Yeah, they're fine. They're yeah. like, oh, I'm going to walk over here now. Yes, uh, Nim was the first champ there. Champ, champ. Nim was the first champ there ever. Not only was he the first chimp there, he was the first creature that the people who worked there ever needed to walk on a leash. Nobody there knew anything about chimps. Oh, good. Nobody knew how to take care of This is going to work out. So he was basically put in a solitary cage. Tell me this ends with him leading these people into battle. Obviously, he goes to battle against Herb like Caesar. Thank you. Uh, So he was put in a solitary cage. It wasn't like the other place where he was like held in a small cage. It was like a big cage. There were toys, there were ropes, even a TV, but it was still a cage. And oh, it's he was still an upgrade, alone. but it's still a shitty upgrade. It's essentially solitary confinement. He went confinement. from a studio to a one bedroom, but it's not great. And, it's, and he's alone. So it's solitary confinement. He nobody wasn't knows, happy. Nobody knows sign language. He can't talk to anybody. No, he's probably signing there and nobody gives People a People know deer. Yeah, he knows why now. Why? <laughs> why? Um, so he was not happy. Uh, the TV that they put in his cage, he smashed. They put one higher up, he smashed it again. He became more and more oh, withdrawn. Man. And Ingersoll was again fucking pissed. He argued in letters to Cleveland that this was torture. He told them how terrible this was. It was captivity. And Cleveland responded by banning him from the ranch, and he told him if he ever came to the facility, he would be arrested. I told you Cleveland was a bad name, didn't I? You did. For a person. You did. It's fine for a city. It's not His a good heart's person, in the right place. This dude's heart is in the right place. He is... He is genuinely trying. For deer, he can handle deer. He's ge- he wanted to help, but he just was a f- he's he messed Keep up. Keep away from fucking monkeys. So there, Nim sat. He would sometimes sneak out of his cage and get into the ranch house. Sure. 
he wanted to see people. Hold on. He wanted to see people or he wanted to sleep in a bed. One day he came into the ranch house and there was a poodle at the door barking oh, as Nim went in. Break its neck. Nim picked up the dog, yep. flung it into the wall, yep. killing it. Yep. He another wow. time came into the house and mad threw a chair out the window. He was unhappy yeah. and he wanted everyone to know about it. It was around this time that someone from our story earlier Stephanie. had a bright idea. God damn it, Stephanie. Stephanie Lafarge God damn it. had heard about Nim and decided she wanted <laughs> to visit him. Fuck. I will say, it's nice to see a prediction. Like it's you know, it's refreshing. It's this is what I do. I know. I I've, sit over there and guess. Now I know what this is. <laughs> um, I know what happens. Stephanie had heard about Nim and yep. she decided she wanted to visit. I think you're thinking of something else. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Well, she uh, bought plane tickets. I don't see how this can go wrong. <clears throat> mother and son reunited again. A mother that he loved who never turned her back on him and let him fuck any cat he wanted. She heard about Nim's situation and she wanted to see Nim. Mm -hmm. So she bought some plane tickets and flew to Oklahoma to pop in for a visit just with some pop, members of her family. Just pop in. Pop in. The plan was to go to the ranch, meet the caretakers. However, when can they I walked just, up to Nim's cage... Can I just say something? Yeah. It's bad enough putting a chimp in Oklahoma. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> so when they, when they walk up to Nim's cage, he mm -hmm. recognized them. But he wasn't impressed. How could he be? They left a cute little chimp baby. Nim was now a grizzled, full-grown chimpanzee. Yeah. He was graying. He was miserable. He'd been hurt. With little interaction through the cage, Stephanie yearned for more. Stephanie decided she wanted to go inside the cage and see Nim. The wow. caretakers told her that that was a bad idea. He seemed like he was in a bad mood. I'm not going to miss her at all. But smart old Stephanie knew what she was doing. Yep. She well, walked in. She used in. to give him the tit. She used to give him the tip. She walked in, and Nim immediately was pissed. He went up to the top of his cage. When she stayed in there, he came down from the top of his gauge, cage, grabbed her by the ankle, and dragged her like a puppet. He swung, swung her around while the caretakers didn't know what to do. After abusing her for a while, they ran inside to get a gun. However, before they could return, Nim left her alone. He could have killed her, but he didn't. He gave her what is known as a warning. A what's for? Yeah. A Hurts Donut. Here's what I think of your shit. Yeah, he gave her the old Hurts Donut. You know, you know, you know who doesn't have good Brooklyn memories? Yeah. Right here, Nim. Yeah. Imagine, Nim, Nim's not on be, your tip. Imagine if Weir went in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing Weir's face and masturbating on Stephanie. Um, we're worried for sure. He turned Stephanie into a cat. Uh, so, ten years went by. Holy fuck, really? In that time, Nim had actually been given a female friend that was put in the facility around him, but she was dying. Nim was going to be alone again. Ingersoll still was always on top of the story, caught word that the ranch was going to be sold. Jesus Christ. Out was Cleveland, and the new owner agreed to let Ingersoll visit Nim. So he's, Bob, is going to go, Bob Ingersoll is going to see Nim for the first time in 10 years. When Nim saw Bob... He recognized them immediately. After a few minutes, they began signing. Nim showed some signs of happiness. He signed play and began running around the cage. And Ingersoll could tell that Nim was still around. But he wanted more chimps in there. He wanted Nim to have some sort of a life. But how? Around that time, the Lemsip, where Nim had been kept for the experimenting, was shutting down. And one, mi one man decided to use this closure to make a difference. 
Mahoney, the head scientist from before who hated Bob Ingersoll. He now believed, after years and years of doing what he was doing, that not only was it wrong, but the chimps could feel, the chimps knew what depression was, and that these chimps had gone through too much. Am I supposed to feel good for the Nazi who turned it around? So once an enemy of Ingersoll, Mahoney now wanted to help. Ah, Fuck him. He began secretly releasing some chimps to Bob. Total, released 50 to 60 chimps. A secret chimp release. A secret chimp release. But he released three or two or three to Bob, who in turn got them to Black Beauty Ranch. Nim was reunited with two chimps from the past, Mitch and Lulu, uh, were the others. Nim began to grow happier and happier, and Ingersoll spent lots of time by the cage signing and making them as happy as they could. They were still best friends. After all the time in hardship, they were back together. Nim lived like this for the next five years until his death in 2000 when he died of a heart attack. He was 26 years old. The average age of a chimp is 50. Jesus. Cleveland Armory passed away on October 15, 1998, at the age of 81. He's buried next to his beloved polar bear at Black Beauty Ranch in Texas. I don't like him at all. Let's end with a quote. Chimps don't need to be with humans. They need to have a chimp life. So my own personal need to hang out with Nim or walk with Nim wasn't as important to me as doing the right thing for Nim. Chimpanzees in captivity is just not where they ought to be. I hope that one of the lessons that we learned from Nim's life is that keeping chimpanzees in cages is torture and really plays havoc on their mental health. Well, all I know is that after I've heard this story, uh, next week I'm going to pinch uh, pitch a story to CBS called Chimp Life. Chimp Life. About a guy and a chimp uh, just cruising around. In yeah, a but car no, but we don't want any solving, more chimps. Solving crimes. No, I at mean, night, that they put would him, be they, tortured. At night they put him in a cage because when they put him in a cage, <sighs> no, Dave, it's he sick. really wants to solve crimes. Dave. And when they let him out, Dave. he fucks up the bad guys. Dave. What, I'm pitching an idea. It's, it's good. I mean, I like the hook for sure. So so he had five good years at the end after just living not even, a life of fucking Not even hell. five good years. He had five he had a couple good relatively years. good years. At the end, comparatively Compared, to per, Comparatively, a, he had five good years. He had, he had a couple of good years when he lived in the house. He had some good times mansion. in the brownstone. He had some good times in the mansion. He got to suck some titty in the brownstone. He got to suck some titty. But again, pot, the whole thing here is this guy, Herb Terrace... He's a fucking piece of shit. Well, he's such a piece of shit. He's John Little. He's the guy who oversaw the dolphin experiment. Exactly. It reminded me a lot of that. Because that dolphin was tortured. Tortured. And, you know, I obviously, uh, yeah, I think it is important to remember that these animals experience emotion and are not. All right. Well, now now we're on a soapbox sort of situation. All right. I'll stop. But that's Nim. That's the life of Nim. I, I thought it was going to be the lady who got attacked by the chimp at the end. No, I know. I was really I, hoping Stephanie got torn apart. No. Well, Stephanie got the shit beaten out of her. All right. Yeah. I, mean, and, I guess she deserved that. Yeah. But the other, the other lady got, like, her face torn off. and. Well, she didn't. I mean, that was just one of the teachers. The one, the Laura got her head bashed No, I'm in. talking about the chimp story I'm thinking of was the lady who got off. Oh, that lady got her face ripped off and that yeah. chimp got shot. Oh, that chimp did get shot. Yeah, that chimp got killed. Okay, that's a bad ending. Yeah, because, you know, once how a dare chimp, he? Once a chimp takes off someone's face. Well, there's also that story. There was another story about a guy uh, probably like 10 years ago yeah, who nuts. had a chimp. And he, yeah, and he, went, he went into the cage and with he, birthday cake ate his nuts. to celebrate his birthday. The chimp, like, ripped his arms off, ripped his face off, and ripped yeah. off his genitals. 
So that's a good birthday for the chimp. <laughs> it's a surprise party for someone. <laughs> the dude who got his nuts yanked. So there's your reverse dollop, Dave. Now shut up about it. God damn it. It's not right? good on this end. Huh? It's not good on this it's end. It's a depressing one. I should have pointed that's that out. That's a really depressing one. It's really depressing. Yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah, it's completely fucking insane. The people who just treat fucking animals. But, you know, we've, all, the, we've read stories that they've treated humans like that. There's just people who are just fucking monsters. There's something. I, I don't know what it is. And I, I don't think it's everybody. But to me, it, there's something worse about doing it to animals. Like, I feel like there's something. Well, there are at more. Least, uh-huh. You're on a level playing field with a human. You do fucked. You know, there's so much fucked up stuff gets done to humans. But there's something there's something worse about when you take advantage of like, well, it's more helpless. That's in a, your mind, a more, a more helpless creature because they are more mm. trusting. Yeah. You know, everything relates back to when I met the quackas. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, nobody wins. All right. I'll do another one in two and a half years. Jesus Christ. You're welcome. Utah. Fuck you. See you there. Yeah. How long is it? Oh, how long was it? Yeah. Pretty long. Oh, yeah. Not bad. What? Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.